You're listening to Simple Ritz Radio, and today we're talking about mental health and how to have a different outlook in the new year. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Schurm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. A nutritionist by trade, Alexa has rebelled against common misconceptions about nutrition and has created a realistic health style that will allow you to live a healthy, satisfied, and more simplistic life. It's raw, it's real, it's unfiltered. It's Simple Roots Radio. And now your host, Alexa Schurm. Welcome back to this podcast. I'm your host, Alexa. And as always, I just wanted to remind you that this show is dedicated to simplifying your health, allowing you to live with more purpose, more joy, and ultimately achieve the lasting health you've been looking for. While it seems complex and overwhelming, my passion is to break it down into the basics and help you live a simplistic and healthy life that you enjoy. And that includes taking back control of your mind and living in peace and joy and happiness every day. And today, we're gonna break this down, mental health, the journey with anxiety and depression and reaching out for help and what that's like. Today on the show, we have Trisha Hughes. She's been here before on episode 10 where we broke down happiness. And I know it's funny that we jump from happiness back over into mental health, but that's the reality of life, right? Like learning to have sorrow and pain in the midst of joy, I think is the critical component to living your best life. It's not always sunshine and roses. And the reality is, is that so many people struggle with this and yet it's easy to hide it because there's so much shame associated with it. And Um, Today, we just kind of want to lighten that. We want to take the burden off uh, to expose the truth and help you to see if you are struggling, and even if you're not, to help someone else who maybe is struggling, that it's okay to get help and that it's okay to accept this and acknowledge it and to bring it to light because at the end of the day, what you're after is healing. We're not after hiding. We're not after putting up a front, but we're really after healing. And there's no greater place to start than with our mind because like I've said all along, In our health, our mentality and our mindset is a huge portion of how healthy we are overall. And we can't just have a healthy body without a healthy mind and vice versa. It takes a whole body approach. And today, that's why I'm so excited to dive into this episode. Of course, it's going to be deep and it's going to be painful, maybe at parts, but it's something that needs to be talked about. It's something that so many of us struggle with, myself included, and it's something that we can get help for. And that's why I'm excited. Again, today I'm going to be asking Trisha all about her own journey from recognizing that she had some pain and hurt from our past that needed to be dealt with and that it was coming out in a negative way in her life, how her family reacted to hearing this news, and ultimately how she got help. So like I said, today it's going to be a little bit deeper, so insightful, and at the end, I hope that it helps you transition into living a better new year because that's what we're about. We're about growing and growth and getting healthier, and it's not just a numbers game or how much you weigh, but it really is just an overall lifestyle because what happens internally is just as important, if not more, than what happens externally, and it's so easy to hide that internal suffering, but today we really just want to help you expose that and bring it to light and help you heal from that in the best way possible. So let's get right to the show. Welcome to the show, Trisha. Last time you were on the show, we dove into happiness. And today we're going to follow that podcast with like a totally different topic, not totally different, a, a deeper aspect of how you can really come to understand happiness, but in a really dark place. So Trisha, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. 
Thank you. I wish you could see my face. It's like I have this huge <laughs> smile, like 50% like elation and 50% terror. I know, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, just to give like the little bit of backstory when we were conversing about this, um, I had asked Trish to be back on the show. Uh, it's been honestly one of my favorite podcasts. Um, you're one of my favorite guests just because I feel like there's such a level of deepness and so much value that you provide. And before you had posted one Instagram post, which I'm going to link in the show notes because I think that there was so much depth and meaning to it. Um, But before that, we had talked about doing just a show on comparison and like stepping outside of that. And we're really going to start there. But once you posted that on um, your Instagram page about mental health issues, I was like, yes, like, yes. And you had even said, I didn't really want to ask you, but you said, could we take it here? Like, could we go into the mental health? And, um, talking through some of that because it is so shameful um, and yet a real, a very real issue that I think we just need to open the door to allow people to talk about. So kudos to you for posting that, Trisha. Literally, I, um, it, I, that has stuck with me for, it's probably been months, hasn't it? I don't even know when you posted it. A month ago? Um, yeah, yeah, maybe about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was really like a scary thing. A lot of, I think I, I felt very conflicted also about posting because, you know, I feel like obviously there's a purpose in, you know, keeping parts of your private life private, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also felt like I had people in my corner who were so supportive of me. And, um, and also I knew what it took for me to actually reach out and ask for help. Mm-hmm. And so I think in my mind, I thought if I could if I could do that for another person, like how great would that be for them? Right. right? So like, you know, just bringing this, bringing this like idea of recognizing mental health is such a bigger issue. And, you know, just like bringing this more into a conversation where, where people feel more comfortable to talk about it and recognize it. Right. For sure. And that's what I hope. I know this is a heavy topic and it can get deep really quickly, but my hope in all of this is really at the end of the day, we're coming into a new year that can cause a lot of anxiety. I know it has in my own life of thinking ahead and what's that going to look like and what's the new year going to hold. But really at the same time, like taking this information and allowing yourself to open up to maybe get help or um, kind of change perspective or outlook or, or like that's my hope is that it's not just a deep subject, but that we can take the heart of this and really start to make change and make 2018 um, something to look forward to as opposed to something to be anxious in like I'm struggling through in my own life. Um, but to get started, we're going to start with comparison because again, this is what I see in myself that I'm strapped to, especially with social media and all these influences that we have going on. And I think it's always been there in just different media outlets. But comparison is such a huge issue. And you're a fairly large influencer online. And I think that the notion is with people with a, a large audience is that you never have comparison issues. But is that really true? Um, you know, I feel like I, well, I mean, I feel like even saying something like someone is an influencer is such a relative term. You know, mm-hmm. I think that that's something that I, I, you know, sort of struggle with is that whole idea. Um, especially because I think people just in their general lives don't realize how influential they are on the people around them. Right. Like my 12 year old is very influential on my five year old. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I think when it comes to social media, um, I feel like regardless 
of, you know, how many followers you have, or regardless of how, you know, quote unquote popular you are, you may still struggle with comparison just because it comes down to what our core beliefs are. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I feel like regardless, if I had 10 followers, if I had 10,000 followers, you know, my struggle with comparison is a long and deep one. And I think that things like comparison and, um, you know, things like this, that, that sort of make us look inward and feel like we're not good. I, I feel like these are rooted in our core beliefs that, you know, personally, honestly, I'm still identifying what my core beliefs are. Right. Um, but I suspect that they may be something along the lines of I'm just not good enough. Mm. And so I feel like regardless of, you know, popularity or influence, if you are viewing your world through the scope of I'm not good enough, that's how you're processing the world. Right. And so, you know, like it doesn't really matter if I have a ton of followers at the end of the day, if my core belief is that I'm not good enough, that's going to turn into, you know, pain points and comparison, et cetera. Right. And like you said, like this issue of comparison has a really strong hold on our life from whatever that core belief is, even I'm not good enough, which I feel like um, is the root of a lot of people's struggles. Maybe I know it's something that I've definitely pulled in my own life of constantly trying to do better or be better or look better simply because of that probably core belief, like you said, of trying to get to whatever that is. But it does have a stronghold in our life. And in some ways, there's no escaping the pretty picture that social media lets us see. I mean, like from seeing your friends out and not getting invited to feeling like you're never quite enough or your pictures aren't pretty enough. I mean, there's a lot of pressure today to add up. But, you know, being in the online field and just living in life, right? We're all accustomed, like we all have phones and we all see these pretty perfectly poised pictures um, and this Pinterest worthy home and all of these things. Like how can we overcome this huge daily stumbling block? Yeah, I mean, I think that, especially, you know, for someone like me, if you, if you view your world from this core belief system of like, I'm not good enough, or I'm not worthy, I feel like social media, um, magnifies this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it almost sort of puts a spotlight on that pain point for you. Um, I think that, you know, recognizing one, recognizing what your core beliefs are and why things bother you or why things trigger you is really important. But then I also feel like there's a couple of truths that you probably need to bring forward. And like one of those is that 110% of people online are not as happy as they are portraying on their social media, (laughs) like across the board. Um, I can say that with complete certainty. Um, you know, even if people are genuinely positive, happy people, every single life of their, of their, every single aspect of their life is not perfect, right? Right. Everyone has problems. Everyone has issues. Everyone has frustrations. You know, everyone has days where they wake up and they look in the mirror and they're like, pass, I'm going back to bed, you know? Um, so I feel like everyone at their core is a human who has the same struggles, right? We all want to feel important. We all want to feel value. Um, and then, you know, another truth is honestly, 
if being online and if social media is so triggering for you in such a real way, I think you have to be strong enough to be able to step away from that. And whether that means you cut out social media altogether, um, you know, that's not something that I can do just because of of Mm -hmm. having my website, having my blog, you know, I can't cut it out altogether, but I can definitely limit it. Um, and I can definitely, you know, if there are people who trigger me or if there's people who really make me, you know, sort of feel bad and not by any fault of their own, of course, you know what I mean? Like I would never put my issues on another person, but if seeing something from another person is triggering to me, then I just have to unfollow that person. I just have to, I have to just cut that cord and say, okay, I'm not going to allow this in my life. I have enough going on, right? Right. (laughs) Without feeling worse. Yeah. So social media and giving it up. I mean, like that's, that could be what you need. But like you said, it goes deeper than that. You know, like there's more than that. And for many men, women and men, it's a constant battle to prove that you're enough. Like you said, like getting to the root of what the issue is and constantly trying to understand, are we really enough? And I know you've taken a turn, which I love and showcasing simplicity and living more mindfully. How have you found this act of mindfulness to open you up and and to help you understand like your own state of mental health and your own stumbling blocks and your own battle with envy and comparison and even finding joy in all of that? Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like it's a work in progress. Um, I would love to say that it's really easy. Um, but I think as a human, I'm a very layered individual. So sometimes, you know, it takes away to sort of peel back um, layers. And, um, you know, one of the things that um, I think is also really interesting is that um, I don't I don't deal a lot with feeling envious. Um, mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. envy is not something mm-hmm. that typically uh, resonates with me. I don't look at other people and say, you know, oh, gosh, I'm really, you know, I right. wish I had what they had or whatever. Um, typically I sort of come from more of a place of like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll never be as good as that person. My Mm -hmm. photographs will never be as beautiful. My children will never be as polite. My house will never be as, you know, refined and modern and, you know, all that. Um, but honestly, in sort of a weird way, I have found that, um, meeting people, that I knew online only meeting them in real life has actually, um, helped change some of that for me in a really strange way. Um, I actually did quite a bit of collaborative work, um, with other bloggers this year. And it was really surprising to me because the process of working with other creatives helped me to stop comparing myself to other people Mm. so much. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was through meeting those people, they're real people like me, they're flawed, they're interesting, they're vulnerable, they're beautiful, they're mothers, you know, they're married without children, they're, you know, working like I'm working, they have some of the same struggles, they have different struggles, um, you know, just honestly developing deeper, more meaningful relationships with people that I only knew online as peers, I feel like has really helped me to, um, recognize that they're not these mystical creatures, Mm. right. That I turn Mm -hmm. them into. They're actually just as real as I am. Um, and just, you know, as complicated and flawed. And, um, I feel like that working with other people, meeting them in real life, having deep, meaningful conversations with these people that maybe I felt afraid of, or, you know, maybe I just felt like they were so much more valuable than myself. But then I realized that actually 
we are equal, mm-hmm. right? Right. So I think that's really, really been helpful for me. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you kind of digging in a little bit more of like what you struggle with and where you, um, how you're learning to kind of come out of this and understand other people. I really just want to dig into your story because I feel like there's no greater time than now to understand, you know, where did this post on Instagram come from and, and what is your backstory with, with mental health and your own struggle and getting help in that? Yeah. Well, so I feel like my mental health issues started very, very young. Um, you know, my parents had a really bad divorce and growing up in the family dynamic that I had was very challenging for me. Um, you know, I, I sort of always remember dealing with stress and anxiety. Um, I remember being very, very young and, um, we had a very old school doctor. Like he was the type of doctor who smoked cigarettes in like in his office. <laughs> of course right? he did, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my family had this old school doctor. He delivered my grandmother. He delivered my mother. And um, I remember him like telling my mother that I had a nervous condition. Mm-hmm. And they gave me this like green liquid that was supposed to help. And honestly, it was probably just something to settle my stomach. But I had developed so much anxiety that as I was being shuffled back and forth from house to house, I would just, um, start throwing up every weekend. Mm. And so it got to the point where I threw up so much in the night that my grandmother would just give me a bowl by the side of my bed before, before I went to bed. You know, it was just sort of this thing of like, here's your bowl. We know you're going to be sick. And you know, like, you know, you know what to do. And, um, you know, sometimes I would not even wake up in the night, I would just throw up and then I would wake up in the morning and, you know, yeah. see that I up in the night. So I remember from very, very young age, a lot of anxiety and worry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like then, you know, obviously as I turned into a teen, I struggled with a lot of depression. Um, and that continued on in my life, but I feel like, you know, as a teen, as a young adult, as a college student, it's very easy to mask a lot of those things. You're very busy, you know, you're very focused, you have to do classwork, you have to do graduation, you have a job, right? There's lots of things to occupy your time. And also there's probably a lot of, um, you know, self-medicating, right? There's a lot of drinking if maybe you're who likes to party. And so I feel like college for me, while I probably was struggling with things like that, they were less, um, at the forefront of my mind because I had other things going on. Um, I think probably when I started to really recognize that I was having issues was when I was having my children. Um, you know, I do have four kids and I remember distinctly really struggling with anxiety and postpartum depression with all of my kids. Um, unfortunately it was not something that I ever felt comfortable asking for help for. I wish that I had, um, I might be in a different place today had I done that. But at the time it just, it just didn't feel, um, attainable in a Mm -hmm. way that I was able to put my finger on something deeper was going on. And when I say that, I feel like for us as women, as mothers, as humans in the world that we live in, it's very easy for us to say, well, of course I'm tired. I have four kids. You know, of course I'm not sleeping. I'm breastfeeding. You know, of course I'm angry. I'm changing diapers all day and kids are constantly pulling on me. Um, you know, of course I can't lose weight because I'm just eating crusts of sandwiches all day. Right. Right. Um, so I feel like 
I wished that I had had someone to say, there's probably more going on, (laughs) but you know, but I don't think anyone, anyone recognized that in me because as I like to say, I was a high functioning anxiety sufferer. It's easy to hide. I'm, yeah, I'm very, very good at hiding. Mm. I'm very good at pretending everything's okay and putting on a brave face and being a strong woman and dealing with stuff. And I've had people say to me, I would have never guessed, you don't seem like an anxious person. You're very calm. Mm -hmm. You're very collected. You seem very methodical and like, you know, what's going on. And while I was able to portray that when I needed to portray that, when I was with the people who knew me best, my husband, my children, my family, those were the moments that everything was too big and everything was um, too heavy, too much, too loud, and I would just break. Um, and I sort of likened it to um, feeling like you're being caught up in a wave and you can't fight it. You can't go away from it. You just have to let, let the wave take you and you just have to go with it. And so I really felt like I was on high alert all the time. And I was really fighting against everything. And I started to have some health issues this past summer that honestly were really frustrating to me because I was dealing with, you know, high blood pressure Mm -hmm. and um, I was dealing with some other health related things that I thought, you know what, I eat really well and I move my body pretty regularly and these these symptoms are not the symptoms of a healthy person, right? So something must be wrong with me. So I started talking a little bit more openly about having anxiety and depression, not to any great extent, just sort of casually mentioning these things in passing. And then early this fall, um, a girl named Sarah from the organic dietitian reached out to me and she was like, Hey, I've been listening to you chat. Um, I would like to work with you and do some hormone testing. And I was like, yes, let's do that because I bet something is wrong with my hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, it must be something other than my <laughs> mental state. <laughs> that felt like something tangible that I could hold on to right. and say, mm-hmm. yeah, hormones, great. I'll take some supplements. I'll clean up my diet. I'll do, I'll do X, Y, and Z. She'll give me these you know, prescribe remedies for clearing this stuff up for me and I'll be, and I'll be, and I'll be clear. Right. Right. And so I went through and I did some hormone testing with Sarah and she, you know, just did some really great thorough hormone testing with me. And, um, when I got the results back, um, you know, we kind of went through everything together and she was basically like, listen, yes, your hormones are a little out of balance. Um, your cortisol is actually pretty low, which means your body's been fighting stress for quite a while. And it's, it's starting to not be able to do that anymore. Mm. So like, basically it looks like you're probably about stage two adrenal fatigue. And so I was like, so what does this mean? What do I need to do? And she was like, well, from looking at this test, it really looks like the emotional component is probably going to be a pretty big for you mm-hmm. like so what does this mean <laughs> like, spell this out for me <laughs> no you know I mean like me I I truly did not want to face what had been staring me mm-hmm. for so many years 
And that was the fact that I probably had some very real trauma in my life that I had never dealt with. And it was affecting me in a bigger way. And so, you know, I was really angry. Right. (laughs) I was angry because to me, it felt like you, I would liken it to if someone had never made a meal before in their life and they only ate fast food and they didn't know how to use their oven. And you said to them, listen, from this day on, you are going to now have to grocery shop for all your food and cook every meal you eat. Right. Right. Wouldn't know what to do. And to me, that's what it felt like when I had somebody saying, you have things in your history and in your personal life that you now have to deal with. So you need to do that Mm -hmm. from now on. Right. And, and, and so I was really, I felt that overwhelming feeling that you feel when someone tells you that you have to do something and you don't know the first steps to take. And I, I genuinely remember feeling like, I don't even know who do I, who do I call? What do I do? What do I say when I call someone? You know, what do I, what do I tell them? What do I ask for? Um, but then, you know, I kind of came to this realization that if I was committed to changing my diet, which I am working on cleaning up, you know, to support my adrenals, if I was willing to take supplements you know, to help support, you know, vitamin deficiency and, you know, again, adrenal support. And if I was willing to move my body in ways that were going to support my health, my health and well-being, why wouldn't I also do this other aspect? Mm-hmm. It was going to really probably help me get better and getting better was what I wanted more than anything. Right. And like you said, there's so much stigma and shame though. And it's such a hurdle because I would say like, even for myself, I'm a high functioning anxious person as well. And even a high functioning depressed person, um, Mm -hmm. at some cases where most people probably wouldn't even know that the battle that goes on at home sometimes. Um, but how, so like after you found out, like this was a big emotional component, how long did it take you to really embrace reaching out? Like, was it an instant, like, yes, I need to get help. Or did you, did you battle through some other stuff before you actually reached out? You know, I think this was sort of the turning point for me. Um, throughout my life at different points, I had sort of skimmed the surface of feeling like I needed help. Um, but I was always very, very afraid of like pharmaceuticals, right? I was Mm -hmm. always just really scared that somebody was going to just throw me on some antidepressants, some general practitioner and be like, listen, just take this and you'll be fine. Right. I was very, very scared of that. Also, I feel like because I'm such a controlling person, I felt like there must be something that I could do to change this, right? So like I I, I can change it. I can take care of it. I can do it on my own. Um, So, I mean, I, you know, another thing that you kind of talked about was the shame. And I feel like um, I definitely had had people in my life judge me at times for trying to get help. Mm. Um, this is this previously or just recently? Just yeah, previously, like mm. all of my life growing up, I remember, okay, um, yeah, you know, like trying to see school counselors and, um, you know, like 
uh, you know, just like different things that I would, you know, reach out to people for help or, you know, even like, I think I went to like a codependency, um, uh, meeting one time, you know what I mean? Like just trying to reach out for help and then having people in my life be like, Oh, really? You know, right. like you really thought that you needed something like that or, or, you know, like you, just sort of putting the blame more on me mm-hmm. as opposed to right. saying, you know, it's like you attempted to get help when you were younger and then you slowly were yeah. taught just to suppress it. Like this yeah. is your problem to fight, not someone else's. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I was really scared of what people would say. I was really scared they would judge me. Um, you know, honestly, I was really scared to put this out on Instagram. Like, will people mm-hmm. want to work with me? Will people not want to hire me for things? You know, will will people, you know, kind of not – you know, not give me that validation, you know, that I probably was seeking. And I, I had, I had had a friend for probably a solid year and a half to two years who, you know, every time I would talk to her just occasionally, she would gently mention to me, like, kind of sounds like you need to get some therapy. Mm, Right. (laughs) You know, oh, right, right, right. You know, and then again, you know, to just sort of like ebb and flow, I would go through these periods where things would get so big and so heavy. And I think now's, now's the time I'm going to do it. I'm going to call, I'm going to call and get an appointment. And I would call and the office would be closed. And I would say, that's my sign. Right. I I would go through, you know, a few months of feeling great. And, you know, I feel like anxiety and depression are those things that, um, are really, uh, challenging in a way that, when you're feeling great, you're feeling really great. And when you're feeling bad, you're at the rock bottom pit mm-hmm. and there's like, you're, cl- you're clawing your way back up. Right? Right, right. And so I would find myself, you know, in these deep pits of depression and like high anxiety. And then I would say to my friend, you know, this is how I'm feeling. She would give me that gentle push again. Like, yeah, you know, maybe you should get some therapy. And so again, I'd go through this process of like, I'll reach out again, but then, you know, like something else would happen. Right. And then I would find another reason why I wasn't going to do it. And so I felt like by the time I worked with Sarah and by the time I got my hormone panel back, um, it was a very quick reaction to be like, okay, we're going to order the supplements. And then I'm going to call the therapist tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, so I felt like at that point I had had enough gentle prodding for, but I'm saying like over the course of probably 18 months to two years. Mm. Um, but I think it was having that data, right. And I'm definitely not a statistics person, Mm. but having that data in front of me that was like, listen, it's you. Mm. Right. Right. (laughs) You know? In, like you, you need to take, you need to address this. Mm-hmm. It's time to address this. So do you think so you would have, uh, do you uh, think you would have come to the realization that you needed to get help without the data or like say someone out there is kind of like, did you kind of always know, I guess that maybe you should be getting help, but you just continued to suppress that. Or was it really this moment of like the data showing this is what it is? Um, Yeah. I mean, I feel like for me, it was cumulative. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I always knew something was going on, but because I had so much of that shame surrounding asking for help, I never felt comfortable or confident to reach out 
mm-hmm. to get help. Right. I talked to my husband occasionally, you know, like just about things, but I found that it was easier to keep it to myself mm-hmm. because I felt like a big part of it was I didn't understand it myself. So how could I explain it to another person? Right. And I also didn't want to deal with questions. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with somebody else's perception of what was going on with me and answering questions and trying to explain something that I myself didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it, it was, it was a combination of the two things, um, mm-hmm. that really led me to finally make the decision. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you talk about telling your family, like, I'm interested to know, Because again, like, I think that there's a level of like people not wanting to disappoint and we've been Mm -hmm. taught to suppress and that this is shameful and maybe you should deal with it. And and only if it gets bad enough, right? And for you and your situation, what was it like telling your family and friends and how has it changed your relationship with them? Um, so honestly, like I haven't really talked to my, um, my family about it at all. Um, aside from obviously my husband and my children, um, I haven't talked to my family and I feel like it's because like, to be quite honest, a lot of my issues and trauma growing up stem from Mm. my family Mm -hmm. and the way that I was raised. And I felt like I have spent a lot of years, and I don't know if you feel this way, but I spent a lot of years protecting probably the people who hurt me the most because I didn't want them to feel bad. And not that I want to call people out or, or shame people or, you know what I mean? Like, it's not even that kind of situation. It's just that Right now, I feel like I need to be speaking my own truth. Mm-hmm. And so my truth no longer needs to protect someone else's feelings. Um, and I feel like, honestly, it would be easier for me to tell, you know, hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers than it would right. be, tell, you know, some of the people in my family. Yeah. Um you know what I mean? Like, I, I just feel like, I feel like that's, that's not something that I'm necessarily ready to do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, you know, with my, with my husband, you know, I actually didn't tell him that I was starting therapy. Um, I didn't. And I realized why through therapy, I realized that, um, I, I suffer from decision-making fatigue. Mm. So basically because I have a lot of anxiety um, making decisions is really, really difficult for me, mm-hmm. um, especially big decisions. And so I think once I have made a decision, I don't want to tell anyone because I don't want to deal with an interrogation mm-hmm. or what feels like an interrogation. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say, Hey, I decided to go to therapy and then have people be like, Oh, whoa, wait, what? Right. Well, what? what do you mean? Like, I don't understand. I thought you were okay. Mm-hmm. Well, how have you been feeling? And right. Like that was too much for me. Cause mm-hmm. I'd already gone through it myself. And so the thought of like having to re-engage those feelings and thoughts with, you know, my, my mm-hmm. husband or, you know, felt like too much. So I, I had gone to therapy probably a couple times before I actually ended up telling him which, and, and, you know, like, I don't, I don't say that to, to be any fault of his, because honestly, my husband is probably the most supportive person I've ever met. And like, I could tell him I wanted to do any number of crazy things. And he'd be like, 
well, okay. You know, (laughs) (laughs) my husband honestly is super supportive and super understanding. And so again, with depression, anxiety, a lot of it is more about how we are afraid other people will react to us, whether it's real or not real. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I feel like, you know, a lot of times people, you know, think that they're putting blame on other people, but I'm definitely not. I would never blame anybody else for, you know, whatever issues I have, cause I have to work through them myself. But my husband was great, obviously. Um, you know, I did tell a couple of my close friends, they were great, obviously. Um, and, and I, I don't feel like it's really changed my relationship with them just by telling them that I'm in the- therapy. But I will say that, you know, specifically with people that I have close relationships with, I have gotten more insight into why I do the things that I do. Mm. And so I feel like sometimes it's easier for me to explain some of my behaviors or reactions to those people who are closest to me, because I now have a deeper understanding of why I do those Mm -hmm. things. Right. Um, You know, like a really, really great example is the holidays. My husband loves the holidays. Like he's so festive. I was just (laughs) talking to his boss today, actually. And I was saying like, my husband loves to decorate for Christmas. And she was like, he just loves to decorate ah. for holidays, like in general. He loves I love it. Yeah. So that's like the holidays have always been a stressful time because my husband loves it so much. But honestly, holidays for me don't bring up great memories. You know, I have a lot of not great childhood mm-hmm. memories And, but it's not something that I ever connected the dots to. I just always sort of felt like, well, I'm just grinchy or I don't like decorating or I don't like the way he does it, or it feels too stressful or there's too much expectation. But then through therapy, I've kind of realized like, I actually have some pretty not great memories Mm. of a lot of holidays. And that's probably why a lot of things that we do around the holidays are a little triggering to me and make me feel unhappy and make me feel, you know, off kilter and make me feel a little sad and like I don't want to do those things, you know? Right. So I feel like it's been a great tool to help me understand myself better so that I can then explain it to the people in my life who are closest to me who obviously don't know or don't get it. Right, right. That makes total sense. And that all came from therapy, right? Like all of that learning. And I think that counseling and therapy could be like one of the greatest gifts people could give themselves because it opens, it just opens your eyes to learning so much about yourself. And like you said, how you react. Um, and so you can go from, because I feel like sometimes you can take like your reaction or Um, maybe like, even like take, for instance, your example of like the sadness during the holidays and you could think like, yeah, I really am not enough, you know, like I'm not doing enough. And, um, you, you can kind of start to play into the lies that are at the deep root in your, in your heart and feed into that, which just escalates the problems rather than being almost aware of your trigger, um, and being aware of how you respond and having a reason for that, you know, like understanding the why behind behind that, I feel like opens the door and can change the way that you think. Um, and so I just want to talk about counseling. Um, you know, what do you wish people knew about counseling? Um, well, I feel like 
<laughs> it's definitely not as scary as it seems. It's not like the right? movies, right? <laughs> it's not scary. And actually, I would say making that first call to actually get help was way worse than anything I've ever talked about mm-hmm. in therapy, mm-hmm. right? Um, going to my therapy sessions are not difficult. You know, what's really funny actually is I had my first session and I left my first session feeling very validated um, because I felt like I had always sort of tried to push these feelings and emotions down and say, you know, don't give in to that. That's not real. Just move past it. Just get over it. Why can't you just, you know, why can't, why does that still bother you? And going through my first session, I just left there feeling like, okay, like I have reasons to feel bad, <laughs> you know, right. like, I have reasons that I'm not happy about things. And I felt very validated. And I came back for my second session and she was like, oh, good, you're here. I didn't know if you'd come back. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I'm back. (laughs) Like, no, we're doing this. Like, I I decided we're doing this. Um, So honestly, I feel like therapy has been such a breath of fresh air for me. Um, It's given me validation. It's given me insight. Um, It's given me such a gift into getting to know myself. I mean, even still just like, that, that understanding of like, what are, what are my core beliefs as like a human being? And, you know, I, I kind of like threw out some ideas and my therapist was like, yeah, you know, I hear what you're saying, but I actually don't think that that's your core belief. Mm -hmm. Um, but really getting to the root of what, what really makes me, me, Mm -hmm. I think one of the hardest things about therapy is that, this is for me speaking personally, but unfortunately it does unpack a lot of stuff that maybe you've been packing down Mm. for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's not a quick fix. And so, you know, I, I feel like sometimes just moving through that process of healing it's not going to be a fast process. Mm -hmm. It's something that you're going to work on for quite a while. Mm -hmm. I like what you said that like we live in a surface level generation, right? Like where everyone just kind of stays on top. And like what you said when your counselor said, like, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think that's it. I love that aspect of it's so hard for ourselves to push ourselves to the level of really because no one wants to feel the pain. Like you probably didn't want to go back and relive past memories, but it's such a healing thing. You know, like I, I feel like everything in life. And you can correct me if if you disagree with this, but I feel like everything in life, like we have the choice to deal with it and kind of run at it head on and feel that, or we mm-hmm. can train ourselves to suppress and suppress and to push down. But that's always there, you know. I feel like de- dealing with whatever that is that's in our past or currently in our in our situation that we are in today that's there and we can choose to like deal with it and kind of like unpack it then or we can choose to let it be an additional weight in our lives and I think that's what's so cool about therapy is they can you know and maybe even more than what your friends were doing because I feel like you have to have like a deep intimate connection with people for them to really push you beyond that surface level because for most people that's a scary place to take anyone and most people don't feel equipped to go there nor maybe do they even want to have the time to go there but like really getting someone to go deep and unpack that so now as you look at at that right like 
we have the choice um, to continue to be a surface level generation, which is fine, um, probably for the majority of the interactions we have. But now when you're dealt with something or hurt comes up or pain comes up, like, what do you find? Like, is it easier now through counseling to unpack situations today (laughs) or do you Uh, still find your drive to suppress? I mean, honestly, I feel like it's, 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 it's a combination of Mm -hmm. both. Honestly. Um, I feel like I, I feel like probably I've done so much like suppressing emotions for so long that that's my natural, that's my natural thing. Mm -hmm. Right. But I almost feel like by going, starting my therapy journey, it's given me permission to give a voice to things that I feel upset about or things that I feel uncomfortable about, you know, or things that really bother me. Um, I feel like I have more of a voice in recognizing those things and then sort of recognizing them, bringing them to light and then sitting with them for a while. Mm -hmm. Right. Which to me, it doesn't mean that I have to be able to correct it in that situation because I don't, I, you know, like it's not like you necessarily need to be able to like correct something automatically. Sometimes just being aware of it and bringing it to the light is like, okay, wow, this is, this is a way for me to realize I never knew I was feeling this Mm -hmm. way, or I never knew this is why I was feeling this way. I never knew this is why I didn't want to talk about it. And now I know, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Especially like, you, you know, just, just the, the revelations that I've learned about myself through my very short time in therapy. Um, but just like what I talked about before with like decision fatigue, you know, um, I, why I hesitate to tell people I've made big decisions, you know, like I never knew the reason I never knew why I didn't want to talk to people. I never knew why, Hey, I got really great news or, Hey, I made this really big choice. Why wouldn't you want to tell your best friend? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you want to tell your husband? What are you afraid of? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I feel like it's given me, you know, just honestly such genuine insights into why I do the things that I do. Um, and I feel like it's a, it's a combination because it's a battle every day. Yes. But I'm working on ways to manage it. You know, the other thing that I talked about too, is that, um, you know, a lot of days I don't feel great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of days I don't feel good. And I even went through this period of like, I probably just need to be medicated because then mm. I would be happy and, you know, I, I, I'm not doing enough and it's just too difficult and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not going to be fast enough. Right. And, and I feel because we're in our society, we don't value patience, Mm -hmm. right? Right. We're in that instant gratification lifestyle. We don't don't always value the journey. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I, you know, for me, that was one of the hard things of realizing that it's, it's may still, even though I'm working, it may still be an everyday battle, unfortunately. Right. Um, so when you talk about what you struggle with and what you're combating daily and like that, you just don't feel good. Like, do you have a process that you go through to like recognize, because I feel like it's a, like for me anyways, it's a slippery slope of once I start kind of that negative spiral, like in my own life, it can get out of hand really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I have to make that choice of, am I going to let myself continue 
Or am I going to start to take measures to really get myself back out of this? Um, and my mom always, you know, I, I come from a line of depression and um, mental health has always been a part of my my growing up. Like that's, you know, I was raised in a family um, with mental health. And my mom always said, you know, that's a very slippery slope. Um, and once you start down that trail of getting yourself negative and almost slipping into depression, like it's easier to stay there sometimes than it is to pull yourself back out. Yeah. Um, so like being aware of the triggers in my own life, she's constantly reminding me of that. Um, but for you, like what have you learned helps combat that? Um, you know, I think honestly, it's, it's like a day by day process, Mm -hmm. you know, um, is it that I need to get out of the house, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like run or is it that I need to listen to music? Is it that I need to write something down? I'm not great at journaling. Um, I don't enjoy that process, but, um, I have found that through therapy, I, I do have things that I want to process. And so when I, when I leave, I typically want to write things down because Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to let this go. I Mm want to remember it and like, you know, keep thinking about it. But honestly, I feel like it's a day to day thing. Some days I'm like, shoot, I should have another cup of coffee, you know, like, Oh, I should play some fun music. I should listen to my favorite podcast. I mean, like, I I don't know. It's not like I have a set, Mm -hmm. you know, a set, item line list that I can that you go do. through. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I'm feeling bad, I feel like it's a day-to-day thing. And, you know, I feel like another, another really important point is like struggling with healing adrenal fatigue. Sometimes you don't know what you're going to feel like until you wake up, you know? Right. And I feel like the, these things go hand in hand with, you know, healing your mind and healing your body. You kind of have to take it day by day. And, I wish that I could say, like, I wake up with 20 minutes of meditation and, you know, I, I chime <laughs> my... you don't have the perfect, <laughs> the perfect morning routine down. <laughs> yeah, but, like, to be quite honest, you know, I wake up, I get my kids ready for school, you know, like, I send them out the door, and then my dog needs a walk. I mean, like, I, it's, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, right. I can't pretend, mm-hmm. like, I have this perfect routine, mm-hmm. I don't. <laughs> but I think that's what's that's what's real about it is that we yeah. can give someone all the right tips, tricks, and hacks to overcome this. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if it's not realistic for your life, if you're not honoring yourself and the realness in which it is, it's never going to work. It's going to become one more stress. Like that's yeah, what right. I have to remind myself, even in the health world, because I get, why aren't you, you know, why, why would you do a podcast on mental health? Because at the end of the day, this is a very real part of health. And like you said, your adrenal fatigue is directly related or, you know, corresponds, correlates with your mental health. And when you don't feel good, it's really hard to do yeah. something about it. And there's yeah. not a lot of energy and people are struggling, like struggling just to function. And mm-hmm. And I really appreciate the fact that you don't have the five-step system um, (laughs) because at the end of the day, even though we think we all want that, um, realistically, it's really, like you said, it's, it's owning that you have something going on. It's, it's taking the steps, you know, maybe the best step is just having that therapist, having that counselor, uh, having a connection that you can just verbalize it. I know for me, like you said, my life is crazy every day. Like, um, and there's nothing perfect about it, but I know for me, like verbalizing some things, like when I'm really starting to be anxious or like, I, I, I'm getting better about just saying it to my husband or saying it to my sister who I can trust and, and, and knowing that they're like a strong ground of 
Like, are, are you kind of going down a slippery slope here or are you, do you yeah. have validity to what you're saying right now? And like helping me work myself back out of that um, because it can be so controlling. So when you do this, I know that you've kind of switched over on, on your own blog and you've been talking a lot about mindfulness. Has this been a part of the process or um, like what has mindfulness, how has it helped you and taught you? What has it taught you about like mental health and, and healing? Um, you know, I mean, I feel like being mindful takes on so many different forms. Um, you know, honestly, personally for me, um, when I was probably struggling the most, um, I was feeling like, you know, as we do like, Oh, my, my blog is a failure. My household is a failure. I can't do the laundry. It's a failure. I forgot to, pick up a shirt that my kid needed for Friday. I failed at that. I got a notice because I didn't pick up my mail for two weeks. They sent <laughs> my package back, right? You know, like um, when I was really struggling the most, um, my best friend um, kind of gave me this great analogy and I love to share it with other people because I feel like it resonates so well. But she basically said to me, like, consider all the balls that you juggle in your daily life. Um, and as you are dropping these balls, some of these balls are glass and some of these are plastic and the plastic balls are going to bounce, but the glass balls are going to break. And so that was really a great analogy for me to recognize what are the balls in my life that if I drop them, they are going to break. And to me, that was my family, my kids Mm -hmm. and my health. Mm -hmm. And so that really helped me sort of key in on what were the most important elements that I really needed to be focusing on. You know, if I didn't post on my blog for two months, would anyone notice, Mm -hmm. you know, like if I took a break from Instagram, would it make a huge difference? Mm -hmm. You know, like, I mean, those were the things that I really had to get very, very um, honest with myself about. And I knew that my key priorities really were my kids, my family and my health. And so I feel like that's how I tried to sort of focus my mindfulness. Um, do I have a perfect system? No. Um, you know, I feel like honestly, my kids now, as they get older, they need me even more than Mm -hmm. they ever have. Um, so you know, that's two part. That's me being connected to them and being present with them, making sure that I'm not on my phone the whole time, you know, they're home and making sure I don't have my phone at the dinner table. And again, I'm not perfect with that, but you know, having those kind of be my goals or at least checking in with myself to be like, you know what, it's eight o'clock. I really want to check out and just scroll Facebook for an hour, but I shouldn't, I should set my phone down and Mm -hmm. I should connect with the kids. Um, but also the other half of that is that really checking in with my own mental health, because if I'm angry and if I'm stressed out and if I'm exploding, as unfortunate as that is, it's going to set the tone for the rest of the house. Right. Um, so just trying to be mindful about how I am affecting the things that really, really matter the most to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love your analogy about that too. It's kind of like understanding those core beliefs and knowing what you value because in this society, it's easy to try to be everything to everyone um, and just rush and go and do it all. And I know um, this was like what brought me to my lowest point was trying to be that and trying to be everything. And 
you can't and it's not worth it. And at the end of the day, does it even really help? Um, and so like taking a step back and I love that you said it's a journey, like it's not the quick fix. And as life goes, like things are going to constantly change. Like that's, that's the reality is you might get to a groove now. Like I think about that, like as my kids are little and as they've grown up, like it's constantly changing like sleep cycles and patterns and kids in school. And, you know, it's just, it's just a constant evolving thing. And, um, I just love the aspect of, being mindful, um, for yourself. Like, I think it's an inward focus rather than an external outlook. Like what we talked about at the beginning of like comparison and all these things that we're seeing and, and really just turning the picture inwards of, okay, what's nourishing and what's healing to me. Um, and taking, letting yourself go on that journey, which can be scary. Um, but I think in the end, so rewarding. Um, and I want to take a second because I feel like not everyone listening probably struggles with mental health issues. Um, yeah. but I think everyone in life knows someone who is like, I think that there is no escaping it anymore. Um, sure. and we're all surrounded by it in one form or another. And so, you know, looking <laughs> being someone who struggles, um, and having people outside who really just want to be able to help and, and be there for people, there's a lot of wrong ways to go about that. And there's also um, a lot of right ways. So what what tips would you give someone who is on the outside um, coming in? You know, like what, what were some of the best things that your friends did during this time that your family did during this time to help you? Um, you know, I think that empathy helps. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like just listening to people and letting people have space to have their feelings, um, is really great. Um, you know, like I I have a, I have one of my sons who is, you know, especially sensitive to things. He cries often. Um, he just does, he gets overwhelmed easily. He's really sensitive to loud noises and shouting. And oftentimes he will cry at something that seems really insignificant to me, but I have to remind myself to give him space to experience those emotions. Right. I mean, they aren't my emotions. They don't make sense to me. Um, I don't understand them, but they're his and they're very real to him. And so, you know, like I really tried to get myself away from saying things like, don't cry. You're fine. It's okay. You know, I find that letting him have space to feel sad. Um, and if that comes out in the form of tears or, you know, if it comes Mm -hmm. out in, in, in another form is really important. And I feel like at the end of the day, like we all want validation that our feelings matter. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like the worst thing that you can probably do is just try to convince someone that they're totally fine Mm -hmm. when they're clearly not. Um, but just honestly, just listening and letting people have space to have their own feelings, Mm -hmm. I think is really, is really important because you, you're acknowledging that you, you're, you're listening. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't understand but you know, you're listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about even anxiety and even with kids, you know, like this is a whole new battle that I'm starting to undergo. And something that I really know that I have to work on is not just trying to suppress them because it's making me anxious, but really letting them have their space to feel that. Um, but like something about anxiety is, um, like the more questions I get, like sometimes, like you said, you just want validity. You want, you want someone to know that, like they have empathy for you. Um, and I think like for me, one of the worst things is when someone automatically dis- dismisses 
um, my concern because um, even if it doesn't make a lot of sense, and I know that there are times when some of the things that I think about don't make any sense at all, um, but to acknowledge that as real because it is um, and then to work through that, you know, like not and like you said, I love how you have decision fatigue because I know I experienced that too. (laughs) And then it's like shut down like. I don't know. Like, I can't, I can't talk to anyone because it's so much easier for me to ask other people about their life um, mm-hmm. and continuously do that. So they never have a chance to ask me about mine. <laughs> That's why I'm on this side of the microphone in case you were wondering. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I love that to, to let people feel. Um, Cause ultimately they are, whether you're, you're creating that, like that warm space, um, that welcoming place for them to do it. And I think that's what, again, going back to therapy, that's what they offer. You know, they mm-hmm. offer a safe place to express everything that's real to you. Yeah. And, you know, like I, I had this conversation with my therapist where I was like, well, you know, I don't really, I guess I don't have a reason to feel sad or to feel upset about this because other people deal with something worse. And my therapist was like, yeah, but we're not talking about other people. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about you. Um, and you know, I, I had this great conversation with my husband. This has actually been years ago, but, um, I had this great conversation with him where, you know, my husband, um, felt like I was a person who had very, unnecessary reactions to things, right? Like, Oh, you just get so irritated. You get so upset. Why, why are you so mad about things? And it was a really long process for me to explain to him the fact that even though you and I may be experiencing the same situation, we have different reactions to it. And your reaction while calm and collected and my reaction, while maybe in your view unnecessary, are still both valid, real reactions to something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that was sort of, you know, like a great beginning conversation to help my husband understand like, you may think I'm being irrational, but you're not looking at it from my point of view. Um, and maybe I feel like trying to put yourself in somebody else's position, put yourself in somebody else's shoes or, you know, whatever, even if you're dealing with a person that you don't know anything, you don't know anything about that person, right? You just go to the, to the store and the lady who checks you out is mean to you, right? Right. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like you're dealing with a different experience of the same situation that she's dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that just, you know, giving people grace and, um, and space to, to experience their emotions. Right. Right. It's, it's huge. Okay. So one last question, and then I have like a few fun ones to get into after this deep subject, (laughs) but okay. I know personally, I'm, I'm kind of struggling being anxious about the new year. Um, and like just getting to the end of the year and maybe things haven't always gone the way that I expected them to you and, um, whatever that is, you know? And so like looking ahead, there's a sense of anxiety of what if things don't go the way I think they are, you know, like you start to worry and plan and think ahead and, um, I don't know, I'm struggling with it this year. So when you're, when you look at the future, considering, you know, 2018 is upon us, how do you like, how are you going to go about making plans or, whatever you're going to do this year, like, how are you looking at the new year? Um, 
Well, <laughs> I feel like my goal setting has gotten much smaller right. lately. <laughs> I said just, my goal for 2018 is just to show up. Like that's it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like my goal setting has gotten much smaller lately. I guess also I would say I've never been a person who's been super big into New Year's resolutions. That's never really been mm. a thing for me right. um, for whatever reason. I've never put a lot of pressure on making big resolutions for the next year. Also, too, I kind of like to do sort of regular check-ins throughout the year um, and sort of see where I'm at and be sort of like a constant work in progress. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I guess I would say, you know, like if things are feeling big and you're just trying to show up (laughs) for 2018, you know, I would just focus on the small things that you can control. Um, the known quantities, what can you control? You can control your diet. You can control, you know, your reaction to other people. Um, you can control going to therapy, um, getting yourself outside, right? You know, it's okay if your goals are small, are not as exciting as your friends' goals. They don't have to be. You know, I'm not in my life to win any, you know, sort of like human race, you know what right. I mean? Like just trying to like live. So I feel like it's okay if you have small goals. Um, I also honestly really find a lot of value in setting goals and then letting them go as a means of like, realizing that that's not truly what you wanted to do, right? Mm-hmm. So like, if I say, oh, I have this goal, I'm going to write a book this year. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to write a book, but let's say. Right. <laughs> Are you hinting? No. So let's say I had a goal and I was like, I want to write a book, right? And then, you know, a month goes by, two months go by, three months go by, and then I just can't get excited and I don't feel like I want to do it. And then at some point I say, you know what? I'm going to let this goal slide because I'm going to realize that by saying no to this and by getting it off the page, I'm going to open myself up to something else that I really do want to do. So I feel like sometimes when we set goals, there's this expectation that I set a goal, I have to meet it. Mm -hmm. But me setting a goal and then getting rid of it, realizing that it wasn't meant for you is actually just as big of a win. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I think too, like, actually, if we're talking like just strategically, like if you're the type of person who like my best friend is super goal oriented and she sets like big goals and, you know, meets them. And, and I, I actually have learned a lot from her about setting goals. And if we're talking about business wise and I'm in this great mastermind group and, um, you know, a lot of the girls are really great at goal setting and, um, you know, just being really organized. I feel like if you do have a big goal, that you want to meet by a certain point, setting that goal and then working slowly backwards right. to be like, let's say you want to lose 10 pounds. Okay. But like, what are you going to do this week mm-hmm. and then next week? Right. And then what are you going to do this day? Right. right. So I feel like setting those big goals, but then giving yourselves small bites every month, every week, every day, so that you're slowly chipping away at those goals with an action plan, as opposed to just being like, I want to lose 10 pounds. Hope it happens. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Living on, like, I feel like for me, it's like living with intention is what I need to focus on now. Like living with purpose and intention and like within my values. Um, so literally I think my goal next year is just to show up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you know, honestly, like when I set goals, I set professional goals, but Mm -hmm. I also set personal goals that involve, you know, consistently working out, 
making sure I'm eating, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I was for a really long time, a huge under eater and that's a big trigger for me. Um, I am not fed, right. right. <laughs> I'm hungry so that I'm angry. Right. Um, you know, like making sure I'm getting enough sleep. Um, and sometimes I feel like just taking care of yourself is a full time job. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it doesn't even leave space for those professional goals, which feels not good. It feels bad. It feels like you're not keeping up with the pack and you're not staying relevant and you're not, you know, like putting out new content and you're not, you know, constantly achieving these professional goals. But sometimes, you know, like what, you know, what, what is it at, at what expense? Right. Right. Is it at the expense of your health? Well, then what's it for? You know? Right. Right. I I totally agree. Okay. So we have a few quick fire and I don't mean to change um, the subject of this like deep interview, but we're just going to end on, on a good note. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What is the first thing you do every morning for your health? I think this Uh, is a bad question because you've already answered this. Well, I, I eat breakfast. Yeah. So you make sure you eat. Yeah. I make sure I eat. Um, I, I, for a long time did not eat in the morning because I did not have those natural hunger cues Mm -hmm. because I would wake up and I would drink coffee and then I wouldn't actually eat anything until 11 or noon or one or two o'clock. And then I would have tortilla chips or whatever. And so I realized that that was actually really, really, really affecting me like in too many ways to list. And so every morning I wake up and I eat breakfast. Uh Yeah. Good answer. What is your favorite book? Um, okay, so I have a couple books. Uh, can I, can I you can do books? you can do books. Yes. Okay, so um, I love Eat the Yolks by Liz Wolf. That's one of yeah, my Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like like sciencey brainy books, but also um with like such a great writing style, so relatable and so easy to understand and really, really important, um, information. Eat the Yolks by Liz Wolf. And then I also have to say, um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Yeah. Um, I haven't read that one yet, but I've heard right things about it's it. so good. It's like, it's, it's like amazing. And then this isn't a health book, but maybe it is if you consider like, Oh, that's fine. You can do any book. Laughter, but Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. Oh, I haven't read that one either. Mm-hmm. Probably the funniest thing I've ever. <laughs> I didn't read it. I I, audi- I listened to it on audiobook, and t- like I was traveling when I was listening to it, and I was. And I'm not exaggerating, not figuratively. I was literally laughing out loud on an airplane, like for <laughs> hours, for hours. If you haven't listened to Tina Fey read Bossy Pants, you have to experience it on audiobook. It's amazing. I will have to check that out. I love audiobooks, so. Let's see What's one food you couldn't live without? Um, I mean, honestly, I love all food. Um, but I would say probably like eggs because there's yeah. no good egg replacement. You oh, know? there is not. No. Mm-hmm. I say butter being a close second, but you can use other cooking fats. But I would say an eggs. I eat a lot of eggs, eggs. and you can't just you can't make a fake egg very well. No. <laughs> what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, that is tough to narrow down. Um, um, you know what? Okay. I'll tell you my friend, um, my friend, Amber, 
she's going to be like, why did you say my name? Um, my friend Amber, when I was really struggling um, with trying to decide to uh, reach out and get help and, and start therapy, you know, I kept saying to her, um, I made a call. It didn't work. I did this. It didn't work. And she's like, listen, you're, it's like you're telling me that you ate vegetables for one day and didn't lose any weight. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. Mm. So I guess that advice would be like, keep, keep pushing forward, do the hard mm-hmm. things and do them consistently. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like what it. is the best piece of advice you can leave us with? Um, Oh, I think, um, I think I would just say like, find a way to be your own cheerleader, be your own advocate, mm-hmm. find yes. something that you really like about yourself, even mm-hmm. if it's that you have nice collarbones, <laughs> find <laughs> right. something, mm-hmm. find something that you can hold on to that you say, I like this about myself. I'm good at empathizing with people. I'm good at putting plans in action. Find something that you, something nice you can say about yourself because then I bet you're probably going to think of a few more things right. and then a few more things and then a few more things. It's that like that slow positive spiral that we want to try and get ourselves into instead of the downward spiral. So burn. Right. Yes. Okay. So as I was doing this, I was thinking you did a podcast number 10 on happiness. Yeah. And I think we can't end it here without saying, how in the world does this relate to happiness? Like, how through this have you really lived with happiness? Yeah. Um, so I thought about that a lot because I, I loved the podcast that we did, the last podcast episode that we did. It was so um, – can I say it was great if it was just me talking? Yeah, yeah, like- no, yeah. It was, fa- it was, a, if you haven't listened, you have to go back and listen because it was honestly one of my favorite podcasts for sure. Well, also too, like, as I said to you, you know, privately, I'm not just saying this because you're recording it, but as I said to you privately, I feel like you are so great at asking such insightful questions that really make people think. And I know that um, I'm always like um, really, really, you know, have to dig when mm-hmm. I'm looking at the questions. So I, I so appreciate that. And I love it. And I feel like you ask great questions that really, really get people to give you super insightful answers. So, um, I loved doing the last podcast, but I know like, you know, um, you know, last time I said, you know, like choose happiness. And that was something that I absolutely still believe, even though I can very, um, adamantly say, I do not wake up happy every single day. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think for me, it's about choosing healing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know, you know, as I mentioned, I talked about happiness being a choice and I really still do believe that happiness is a choice. And I don't mean obviously every day you wake up happy. Um, as I said, every day, I definitely don't wake up happy, but I think the action steps that I take every single day, eating, walking my dog, putting makeup on, going to therapy to me, those are choosing healing, which therefore equates to choosing happiness. Um, you know, unfortunately, as I mentioned, healing takes a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I definitely feel like I do still feel like happiness is a choice, but sometimes it is a windy road to get there. So the choices that you make every day Mm -hmm. are just leading you closer and closer to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, it is possible. And I think sometimes when you're you're in the deepest pit, you can see happiness a little bit sweeter um, and don't take those moments. Quite. I still take them for granted, but not, you know, like trying to embrace that a little bit more. Um, yeah. They're just sweeter. Yeah. I think it, it it is all connected. And I think everyone has this process of um, highs and lows that we all have to experience. And I think um, I'm just so, so honored that you would talk about this and um, that you would let me ask you such deep questions because I know it's scary and it's hard um, to do that. But I, I, like I said, my hope in all of this is that it is the catalyst for someone else to to have a voice and yeah. um, to step up and realize that their life does not have to um, be hidden in the darkness and that we don't always have to put on the pretty face and to be perfectly poised and um, you know, to even be stuck in that trap of I'm not good enough, um, that we can really escape that. And more than that, we can be freed from that. And I think that, like I said, you're just, I'm just so honored that you would tell your story about that. And and my hope is that people could, could really step into that and find a way out and, um, find help and know that it's not, um, it doesn't have to be a shameful thing that that's at the end of the day is what I want is to, make mental health not something that's so scary and so shameful um, and look so down upon and and instead make it um, have a voice and know that if you need help, like there's no shame in getting help. And in fact, we are going to be better people because we got help and because we're accepting this as who we are and learning from it and going on the journey to making our life great. You know, like at the end of the day, like we can live trapped in this. And this is what I found. Like I can live trapped in this and I can, I can live depressed. Um, and I can stay there for fear of someone finding out, or I can choose to step out of that and I can choose to get help. Um, and I can make my life better because of it. And I can then make the world better because of that, because we can share that with other people. Um, and I think sometimes that's what we need is just someone having a voice and other people coming out, um, and stepping up uh, and changing their life for the better. So Thank you seriously from the bottom of my heart for doing this. I can't, I, I can't tell you what it means to me. And I hope to all the listeners out there, um, for real, not, not just anyone would get on here and do that. So, um, thank you for doing yeah. that. Yeah, of course. And I always appreciate, um, you know, just your honesty and your ability to really pull things out of people. I think that you have a great gift for doing that. So. Well, thank you, dear. Yeah. yeah. Well, you will, you will be on again. I'm sure that I can convince <laughs> you to come on again after this, uh, uh, and sure. talk about some other things, but you've been great. So thank you so much. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Oh, I just love Trisha and her vulnerability and everything that she allowed us to see today in her journey. And I know how painful it can be to bring this up and how scary it can be to share it with the world. But again, it's people like her who really desire to help more people get the same help that she got and ultimately to see that overall life change because that's what we're after. We can hide it and we can suppress it as long as we think we possibly can, but at the end of the day, it still always rears its ugly head in some way, shape, or form. So it's better just to nail it on the head before it gets too out of control, to take care of it, to get help, to lean into others. And that's what I hope that you got from the show is that we are a community of real people. I am just like you with the same struggles going through similar situations. Of course, everything is different, but we're all working on this life together. No one in life has it perfect and has it all figured out. It's always a journey. It's a process. And as long as we continue on that journey, we will constantly be bettered. But it's when we stop. It's when we fear the future that things can get out of control and out of hand and you can spiral downward into that depressive cycle. And I know the new year can be frightening for so many people, myself included. I've had so much anxiety 
but we really want to help you lessen that load and just know that this is a community. It's a safe place for you to bring your struggles, to bring your questions and your concerns and to get help. So I want you to know, if you have struggles, you're always welcome to email me. My email is alexa at simplerootswellness.com. There's no going through anyone else. It comes right to me. And again, I would love to help you out in those struggles. The bottom line is, is that no matter what you're feeling, no matter what weight you have on your shoulders, it doesn't have to stay there. It is not our job to carry those, and that we can let those go, and that we can live in freedom and in light. And I really hope that in the coming year that we can really step into that. I know this is just breaking the iceberg and now it's like, now what? You know, I want to get help. I want to do this, but now what? We're going to break all of that down coming up in the podcast and I will link up plenty of resources in the show notes to help you along that journey. But if you really do want to get help, I would highly recommend finding a counselor or going to your local church and seeking help from someone because at the end of the day, Having someone there that you can talk to, that you can release all this, it's going to be one of the best starting points for you. I know it has been for me as well. It's just such a huge, a huge weight lifted so that you can fully grow and fully step into really being you. And the best thing that you can do in the new year is just let yourself out. So again, feel free to email me at any point. Make sure you go to the show notes for more help and more information and Check out your local counselor or just confide in a friend. You know, find someone relationally who you can talk to. Again, I know that was a deep subject, but ultimately I hope you saw that how we can bring this back to joy, how we can bring this back to happiness and ultimately walking in health. Again, I'm so grateful you're here. I know I've been talking a lot about the new year. Next week on the show, I have a special episode coming out about how to plan for the new year. And more than that, It's why resolutions don't work, and I have a new system, a new way. It's really not that new, Um, but it's bringing it back to light on how you can actually plan for the new year in a new way and maybe make the greatest changes. It's not difficult. It's not overwhelming. It's definitely not an all or nothing, but I hope it's something that you can actually enjoy and you desire. It's all about getting back to your values, living with intentions, and setting yourself on the path to success. Not the five-step perfect plan, but your path owning your uniqueness and living for something more, living with greater purpose. So make sure you come back next week. I have a special handout just for that. And we're going to be breaking that down on Facebook. I'm starting to get back into those Facebook live videos. I will make sure to inform you of when those are going to be so that we can start planning for 2018 together and make this our best year. I am committed to making changes because what I've been doing in the past hasn't been working. But I can tell you that even if your external circumstance hasn't changed, the internal perspective and the internal working that's happened this year has been greater than any other. And for that, I'm so thankful. However, it takes a little more digging to get there because we're a very external focused society. So anyways, next week, we're gonna talk all about that, dig into that and really take all of this information we've been learning from Trisha and all the other experts and start to implement it in our life because we're a society that has more information than we've ever had before and yet we're almost paralyzed by what we should be doing. So again, make sure you tune in next week. If you wanna know when I'm gonna be on Facebook Live, you have to join my email list. To do that, just head on over to simplerootswellness.com. All you have to do is enter your name and email and I will send you all the latest updates And just basically the real raw me that's happening in my own life, my own journey, I'll be sharing there as well. So make sure you head on over there. 
And you can find all the information from today's show, as well as links that we've talked about, products, and even more about counseling and getting help and some of the resources that has helped me in my own walk with mental health over in the show notes. Again, that's simplerootswellness.com. And one last thing before we go, I know we've been talking so much about planning for the new year. One project that's near and dear to my heart that can totally change 2018 for you and the way you plan is the Nourish Planner. Of course, being a co-founder, I'm highly biased to the fact that I think this is the best planner on the market. In fact, it was created because my co-founder, Heidi, and I really had struggled to find a system or a planner that worked for us. Everything just seemed so strict and rigid. And we wanted to create something that could allow you to be fully you, to plan in the way that you needed to be planned. So while we wanted to include the basics, like five to-dos every day and a space to meal plan for the week, we also wanted to leave plenty of white space for you to plan the way you like to plan. Whether that's time slots or lists or even bullet journaling, it can all be found in the 2018 Nourish Planner. And what's even better is next week when we dive into values and intentions, This year's planner and how it's different than most other planners on the market, maybe any other planner, is that every month we give you a piece of content. And that content is really to help you challenge your beliefs and really help you to step into fully living you. These monthly content pieces range from the first month setting values and living with your intentions and what does that look like in your own life to simplifying your life, decluttering, exercising, living in health. There's so many great topics wrapped up into one and it takes each month and breaks it down into a focus on one specific thing so that over the course of the year, you've created 12 new habits or at least 12 mindset changes that help you go from wishing to live a life into actually living that life to make 2018 your best year. And I know you're gonna find it in the 2018 Nourish Planner. Again, we're gonna be using that Nourish Planner all of next year as we undergo our own wellness project, as we undergo our own Nourish Life project to really step into health and what that looks like. I'm gonna be using that on Facebook Live and my emails here on the podcast. So make sure you grab your own copy. Of course, it's not vital that you have one. But like I said, I'm a little biased to it. So to get your own Nourish Planner, head on over to nourishplanner.com and grab your 2018 Nourish Planner. And I'll see you back here next week to talk about planning for the new year. 